0: Hey y'all, welcome to my podcast. This is Josh. This podcast is called Everything is Permitted. Reason being is because I talk about everything on here. I do have to do a trigger warning because people are snowflakes and get a butt hurt at the smallest shit, so, fair warning. Today is going to be a little different. I'm going to talk about people we've lost, people we looked out to. Stuff like that. For me, the one I looked up to was my grandpa. Well, he's actually my great grandpa. He raised my mom, raised my uncle, and he helped raise me. His name was Jack Brewer, down in South Texas. I'm not going to lie to you, he was an asshole. <laughs> he was a major asshole. But he's my grandpa, man. And I looked up to him. You know, he was a businessman, a loving husband, loved us kids to pieces, just old school with the way he punished. You know, when you hear a, hear about a switch or you hear about a belt or somewhere along those lines, that was my childhood before my mom decided to move out of Texas. And it wasn't bad, you know, it wasn't all bad. Grandpa did have a bit of a temper. You no, know, grandma was a dainty little old lady, but man, she had some fire. And you know, it's really hard to uh, understand death if you've never been around it. No, I've, I've been around death, been around dead folks for a while. You know, my great-grandpa, the one who raised me, died when I was about, I think, 14-ish, somewhere around there. A guy that I knew in the town that I grew up in, you know, my teenage years, was murdered. One of my best friends growing up was murdered a couple of years back. Back in 2009, a buddy of mine got killed in drive-by right in front of me. Like I literally held his lifeless body until the ambulance showed up. And I was literally trying to resuscitate him. I said I was trying so hard to resuscitate him that I literally broke one of his ribs, trying to resuscitate him. Didn't work. How was I supposed to know the Heimlich, or not the Heimlich, but the uh, CPR wouldn't work on somebody with a bullet hole in his lung? I was 18 and I was dumb. Uh, Here I am covered in blood with some kid that, you know, was about my only friend here in Dodge back then. You know, I witnessed a Somalian dude cutting his wife's head off with a machete right across the street from the house I was staying at. Got in a car crash with a buddy when I was 21 and he was driving and he was driving like an idiot. And we hit a patch of black ice. He slid off the road. His side hit a tree, and it instantly killed him. I was asleep in the passenger side, and I flew through the windshield. But when you lose somebody that's close to you, somebody that you didn't, you know, they were they were it, they were the king, you know, they were the, uh, or queen. They were the, uh, the person that always had the answers. The one who always knew how to make you feel better, you know, basically like a parental figure, you know, when you lose them, it's tough. You know, and the way I was raised is men aren't supposed to cry. In fact, my grandpa, last, last thing I remember him telling me, is when I die. He didn't say if I die. He knew he was gonna die. He said, when I die, if I hear about any of you little bastards crying at my funeral, I'm going to haunt you. <laughs> it's it sounds dumb now, but I was a I just hit my teenage years. You know, I was preteen to teen at best. Just got on watching, you know, Insidious and watching all these horror movies about ghosts and shit. Now my family was very religious, so it freaked us out, you know. And I'm 32 years old and I cried one time for him. And to be honest, it wasn't fair to his memory. You know, when someone dies... I think it's a good. Not only is it a good thing because it means they're finally at peace, and I'm not saying peace is in you know with God or whatever, whatever you believe in. You know that's that's your that's your prerogative. But when someone dies, they're finally at peace. They're no longer in pain. For me, I wouldn't have to worry about insomnia because I'd be in a forever sleep. <laughs> you know, it's it's a tough thing. You know, my buddy Zach, who I literally was my best friend when I moved to Kansas. My sister was obsessed with him later ended up having a kid with him and marrying him. But, um, he committed suicide a couple of years back. And it devastated me. You know, he was younger than me. I'm the older one. I'm supposed to die first. You know, and in my eyes, if you commit suicide, you took the sissy way out, dude. You took the pussy way out. Instead of having to go through this fucking hell we call life... You decide to prematurely end it. And part of me really hates myself for saying stuff like that. You know, the only person I can honestly hate is myself. I couldn't hate anybody. I don't wish death on anybody. You know, I might wish a little bit of maiming on somebody, but I wouldn't wish death on anybody. I wouldn't wish death upon somebody because I know what it feels like on the other end when somebody you love dearly dies and it's not fun you know it's for lack of better phrasing it's tragic you know it just it devastates you now I'm the oldest out of all my siblings and if one of my younger siblings died It would tear me up. I may not talk to them, but they're still my family. They're still my kid siblings, you know. You know, yeah, when you get older, you tend to grow apart from your family. Whereas you used to call your mom every day. Now you call her once a week. Then you start to call once a month. And it's like, you know, you barely ever talk to your family. And, you know, it's, it's just, it sucks, man. You know, when my grandma Flynn died, you know, that she was on my stepdad's side of the family. But the reason why my grandma Flynn hit so hard to me is because she was the, literally the only one at first that took my sister and I in saying that we are family. She was the matriarch of the family. My grandpa Flynn was the patriarch, you know, we, we, they were, they were literally the leaders of the family and for them to take me and my baby sister in, I mean, we were, we were little tots at the time and I was prepubescent, she was prepubescent, you know, and they, they took us in, they took us under their wings saying, yes, these kids are family. And it was great for a while until, you know, inevitably they died. And when they did, honestly, you see the true colors of who actually cares about you. And you know, if you confront them about it, they're not going to say anything, you know, with my, uh, my, I guess you could say second family, if you will, my stepdad's side of the family, you know, I never felt like I was part of the family. I was the ass of every joke. I was the bottomless pit of the family. I was the black sheep. Oh, they adored my sister. Absolutely adored her. But I just, I didn't feel the love. And I was so bad that even my mom was the same way. She was distant with me. And I think that's why I have such a hard way of looking at things. Such a a logistical look at life, a blunt way of looking at life. You know, I don't, I don't let my emotions mix with my logic and my reason. You know, I guess if there is a religion that I would follow, it'd be logic and reason. No, just like when I get into arguments with a female or arguments with anybody in general, I instantly go to the logical side of the argument. Why are we fighting? Why are we arguing? But, um, it's the same thing when someone dies. You know, I choose to value the good times I had with them instead of the shitty way it ended. I mean Grandma Flynn and Grandpa Flynn, you know they were old when I was little, okay, so I knew it was gonna happen. you know, I've seen death enough even when I was a little kid i've I've been around death, you know. I could see it happening. I knew death was coming. Now Grandma Flynn held on for a long time, longer than any doctor said she could. But you no, know, it's inevitable. We all die, you know. And I actually feel gra- for bad for my grandma, you know, because my Grandma Flynn was my great grandmother. My Grandma Shirley, which is my grandma on my dad's side. When I say dad, I mean my stepdad. I got my father and my dad, you know. And I don't don't hold anything against my father. You know, him and my mother, they were dumb. They were teenagers. I'm glad I'm here, I'm glad my sister's here, but they were dumb and teenagers. You know, they weren't thinking of the repercussions of possibly knocking somebody up too young. You know, they were just, they were dumb kids. You know, they didn't get along well, so inevitably failed. I don't hold that against them. You know, I still love my father. I love my dad. I love my mom and my stepmom. No, they all hold a part in my heart. You know. But uh I feel sorry for my grandma Shirley because her sister died, her brothers have died. You know, she is the last one. You know, and I feel bad for her because you know, her and her sister were pretty close in age from what I understand. You know, I I vaguely remember her sister, but When she died, it fucking devastated her. I mean, it hurt her a lot worse when her mom died, you know. And I mean, that's that's enough to be said. You know, when my mom dies, and I know it's notable, she will. It's gonna devastate me. It's gonna hurt. And it's the same if my father dies or my dad dies, my stepmom, you know, my half brother, my my adopted siblings. You know, if someone's close to you, it's gonna hurt whether they're family or friend, if someone close to you dies, this shit hurts. And I've seen enough death. I've seen more death than pretty much anybody I know. And it sucks every time. It sucks a bit out of you every time. You know, of all the shit that I've been through, all the shit that I've done, all the stuff that's been done to me, You know, I should be in a straitjacket in a padded room being shot up with morphine or some shit. You know, I shouldn't be out on the streets walking around, but I keep my head held up high. Because I choose to remember the great things I did with these people. Like, one of my favorite memories of my grandma Flynn was when she came in to cook. Her favorite thing to cook was homemade chicken noodle soup. She homemade the noodles. She butchered the chicken herself, I mean she did it all, and if you went in there, that woman would smack you with a wooden spoon, man, she'd get mad as hell at you if you if you try to if you try to get in there and try to steal a noodle or something she she'd smack you. I mean she was nice to the kids because you know she's her grandma, but she passed the recipe on to my grandma Shirley. and I can honestly say I've never had chicken noodle soup. Anywhere as good as grandma's. I don't know if it's because of the fact that... I mean, I know it's I'm biased because she was my grandmother. But it was just the love she put into the food. And a lot of people don't understand what I mean by that. You can tell. If you know anything about food, and trust me, me being a big dude, I know plenty about food. If you know anything about food, you can tell if the cook actually enjoys cooking... Or if they're just doing it just to do it or just doing it for a job or something, you know, it could be made the exact same way as everybody else's, but you can taste the love. You can taste the hard work they put into the food, you know, and especially the the further north you go, you don't, they don't understand it. I think it's just a Southern thing. You know, if you love to make food and you're good at it, chances are you're going to have a job making food. No, we're stubborn people, man. Every human is stubborn. All right, whether you're a pushover stubborn or you're just a stubborn person in general. Me, I'm a stubborn stubborn asshole. I will 100% admit that. I am a fucking asshole sometimes. I'm very, very stubborn. And I will not apologize for it. I won't. You don't apologize for something if you don't feel sorry for it. See, when you lose somebody, lose somebody that's that close to you, somebody who you looked up to, When they're gone, it takes a while for it to hit. It does. It's not going to hit you immediately. Especially if you're a man. Now, if you're a woman, you get emotional, you cry, eat ice cream, watch a bunch of dumb TV shows, you know, whatever. Guys, we're told to hold our emotions in. We are told that we are not allowed to cry. We are not allowed to show our emotions. We're supposed to be strong for the family. And I was. was. I think I was like 14. No, no, no. I was working. So I was, I was in my twenties when my grandma Flynn died, I think. Yeah, I was in my twenties when my grandma Flynn died and it just, it fucking annihilated me. You know, I didn't let anybody in the family know. And half the family were like, I don't know why you're crying. She wasn't your blood. Family does not mean blood. I got blood relatives right now I can't fucking stand. I got family that's on my stepdad side of the family that I cherish more than anybody I've met in my life. Because of the bond you have. That's what family is. Family is a bond. It is really hard for me to call someone my friend. If I call you family, if I say bro or I call you my brother, that means you're getting there. To me, family is just a bunch of people that are willing to fuck you over. I mean, I told in the beginning of this audio recording about some of the shit they did to me. And that was just, that wasn't even the tip of the iceberg, that was like a single ice cube from an iceberg. That's slowly melting away of the dumb shit that's been done to me that's been said about me, that I've heard about me from people who don't even know me. See that's what family is that's what these family people are is in my eyes they're just people waiting to fuck you over and to be honest, everybody in my family has in one way or another, besides my grandparents. And I've made peace with it, man. You know, it's, it's not easy. I think the hardest part when it comes to losing somebody is forgiving them. Forgiving somebody is the hardest thing any human can do. Because at first you have to admit that you were wrong. Honest, Forgiving. Not that, yeah, yeah, whatever, I forgive you. I mean, honestly, from the heart, you forgive somebody. I can guarantee them to you, anybody who listens to this podcast, you can probably name maybe one time you actually full-fledged forgave somebody and meant it. To be honest, it's not in human nature. Human nature is you get me, I'm going to get you back. That's just how we are. It's how most animals are. You get me, I'm going to get you. Or I'm going to get you before you get me. So when you're sitting here recollecting all the people That have either died, committed suicide, you've lost contact with. All these people, of all these people, who do you actually cherish the most? Do you cherish the grandparents you've lost? The friends that were either murdered or committed suicide? The ex girlfriend that got away? The girl that got away? The guy that got away? No, I'm not judging. Teaches their own. <clears throat> Cherish the celebrity that died? I'm not going to lie. It sucked when I heard Ron Williams died. Because he was one of the best actors of my time. No, he was one of the few actors I could sit there and watch with anybody in my family, no matter how old or how young. And we all loved it. Because he'd been in the acting business and stand-up comedy for so many years, he touched generations of people. That's why it hurt. Same with Betty White. Betty White died? It sucked. Like, The Last Legend is dead. But, um... Who do you cherish? That's, that's the name of the game right there. That's the main question. Who do you honestly cherish? Do you cherish your wife? Cherish your husband? Your dogs? I mean, not mean to sound like a fucking heartless asshole, but dogs die within 14 years. It's the average death rate for dogs. So for 14 years, you absolutely love and cherish this dog, but the dog's going to die. Way before you. Do you cherish your friendships? Because your friendships should constantly evolve. You should always look into, your, look into yourself and see which friends, quote-unquote, are bringing you down and which ones are trying to help you succeed. The ones that are bringing you down, bye. And the worst part is the ones that are bringing you down are probably the closest ones to you. I'll give you an example or I'll give you a yeah what the hell I'll call an example everyone has this friend or has had a friend that is always constantly in and out of jobs in and out of jail or in and out of relationships just fucking constantly can never stay down that's the toxic friend they're usually the ones asking you for money asking you if you can pay for something for them or if you can get them something Is that really a friend? Are you really being a friend or are you just being a provider for this idiot? Not letting this idiot grow up, if you will. Because, to be honest, that's all it really means, you know. When you lose somebody, that's when you really know if you cherished him. My buddy Marshall was murdered a couple years back. Him and his girlfriend got into an altercation with some dude at a bar, and the guy followed him home and shot both of them. At least that's the story I heard. A guy that I literally will call my brother till the day I die, his name's Jake. Lives in Oklahoma. His brother was murdered. His name was Greg. Really didn't know him. And every time we ran into each other, we ended up fighting. But he was still my brother's... He was still part of the family. When he was murdered, you're damn right I went to that funeral. I didn't care that he came out and said... In fact, I was happy when he came out and said he was gay. I was one of the first people to congratulate him for it. He never messaged me back. I don't even know if he saw the message, but... It's the thought that counts. (sighs) But like I said, how do you cherish people knowing that, you know, you should share what you should cherish the most is the life, the life that you have. Live your life day by day. And I don't mean that in a depressing way. I mean, anytime you wake up, just think the fact that you're alive, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're guaranteed the day you're living, until somebody decides to end it, or some ra- some random thing happens and you end up dying. You know, I'm overweight. Tomorrow I could have a fucking heart attack. Wouldn't see it coming. It's just a silent killer. Cholesterol's a bitch, man. I got a buddy named Chris at work. He's he's a very big dude. He had a heart attack last year, I think it was. Has he changed anything besides the fact that he quit smoking? No. Still eats the same, still lazy as shit. Still a great guy, though. We may differ on politics politics, we are completely different. He's a vote blue no matter who, and I'm a center line leaning towards Republicans. But again, how do you justify that? How do you justify, how do you say that God is so great when he just randomly takes people's lives? If there really is a God, he's a bit of a fucking dick. He's a conniving asshole. If you've read the book, you could tell he's a conniving prick. And he's a jealous prick, but we're not going to go there. When you lose somebody, whether it's with death or if they just leave, we've all had that. Now there was this girl I grew up with, never did anything with her. The man was Danny. Danielle Kellogg was her name. And I have no idea till this day, I have no idea what the fuck happened to her. Just one day we just stopped talking and we haven't, you know, I saw her smattering times when I was in Independence and then haven't seen or heard anything from her since. In fact, from what I can gather, nobody has. Nobody that used to be part of the crew that we all rang out with talked to her. Nobody's talked to her. I don't know what the hell happened to her. She was a quirky little ding-dong, but I love the hell out of her. She was a sweetheart. She was a really good friend of mine. It's like my friend uh, Casey, my friends Casey and Caleb, they were twins. You know, I don't talk to them anymore either. And it sucks because, I mean, I was more friends with Casey than I was Caleb. But, Casey and I were really, really close friends. Like he was the first girl he dated. This girl named Brandy. And she, uh, oh, she fucking, she tore him. She ripped that kid's heart out. I mean, I felt so bad for him. The first thing he did when I knew they broke up because he texted me and told me when he was in school. First thing he did is he came to my house and the first thing he could do is he just gave me a hug and he cried. No, he cried on my shoulder. You know, we were kids, but still, you know, I didn't know what to do. You know, I was raised, men aren't supposed to cry. And here is literally my best friend just fucking ugly crying on my shoulder. So I just gave him a hug back, you know, tell him everything's going to be okay, man. No, I did the whole, the whole normal thing. There's plenty of fish in the sea He'll find another, which he did. He's married now. But, I mean, that girl broke him, man. I mean, it was bad. Hell, I had the same thing happen to me quite a few years later. But I didn't have that friend to have a shoulder to cry on. I didn't have that friend that could help me. I had to do it myself because Casey was no longer around. And my brother Jake was in Oklahoma doing whatever the hell he does best. Now, we don't talk that often, but when we do, we just reminisce about the dumb shit we used to do. And that's how you can tell your real friends. When you can talk to your real friend after many, many months or even years of not talking, and you pick up on the exact same stupid-ass conversation you were having in the beginning. When you guys were first talking again. And... Your true friends are the first ones to tell you you fucked up. Those are your true friends, okay? Those are the ones you don't want to lose. But they are the ones that are the most easy to lose. The ones who stick around and cheer you on when you're doing stupid shit or trying to, trying to get you to do dumb shit. Trying to get you to, you know, peer pressure you to do drugs or peer pressure you into other stupid shit. That's not a friend. That is a douchebag. If you wonder what I'm doing I'm about the light a cigar. Yeah, I won't smoke a cigarette in my car, but I'll smoke a fucking cigar in this bitch. In case you're wondering, Backwoods Honey Bourbon, man. I love these damn things. They come in a pouch. They taste Amazing. And they smell good too. So, when you lose somebody, do you choose to remember them for life or do you choose to remember them for death? It's an honest question. How do you choose? Do you value the friendships you have? Do you value the family you got? Because you don't get to choose your blood family. But you get to choose your family, if you know what I mean. Your family has your back. Your family is the first one to tell you you did something wrong. No matter how bad it hurts they're also the first ones that are your cheerleaders you don't need to be you don't have to to share the last name you don't have to share the blood your family has your back no matter what even if you're doing the dumbest shit in the planet your family are the ones who still stick with you they might distance themselves and they might call you a dumb ignorant son of a bitch for doing what you're doing but you know damn well, through thick and through thin, if there was shit that hit the fan, they would be there. I can honestly say I think I might have two. Two people I know, honestly, that if something, if something hit and it just devastated my ass, these two people would be here in a fucking heartbeat. A lot of people say their wife or their husband is their best friend. All right. I mean, they do say if you marry your best friend, you're probably going to be happy. But our feelings change for people. Who was my best friend 10 years ago may not necessarily be my best friend today. I mean, Jake, I've known since third, fourth grade. He's the one I was talking about. If I gave him a call and the fucker actually answered and said, dude, I need help. He would be here with like five to 10 other guys ready to fuck somebody up, ready to have my back. That ride or die thing you hear where it's like you give the guy a call, say, hey, we're going to take a car. We're gonna go someplace, I'm gonna tell you where. And the only thing they're gonna say is whose car are we taking and do I need my guns? That's it. He literally has my back. If it was just me and him and we were an army of two, like in the old video game, that's the guy I want on my that's the guy I want on my six. That's the guy I want to have my back. Cause I know damn well he would never backstab me. And I would never do this. And I'd never backstab him. This guy. Granted, we didn't always get along. Me and Jake, man, we fought like fucking cats and dogs all through our teenage years, man. I mean, constantly. I think it's because, you know, testosterone-fueled boys. Boys will be boys. I mean, there were times me and him would come to to fisticuffs and we would fight for fucking hours. His dad would come out, look at us both bloody on the ground. You guys done yet? We didn't even know what the fuck we were fighting over. Chances, most likely, it was probably a girl. And y'all think I'm an asshole. Jake is a fucking dick. But... If he calls you brother, that's when you know he has your back. All these people you call friends, all these people you call family, how many of these people would you trust to turn your back on in a moment of insecurity, in a moment of fear, and know this person has your back? This person will carry what you need them to carry. Out of all the quote-unquote friends I've had in my life, he's the only one I could say he really is my ride-or-die homie. That is my brother. Through thick and through thin, that is my fucking brother. He's been through some shit. I've been through some shit. we both grown up, but... I think one of the reasons why I haven't moved to Oklahoma with him is because I know I don't think Oklahoma could hold us. (laughs) You get me and him together, we're rowdy. And we know each other so well that if we did get into a fight again, again, neither of us would win. I think there was, I think I won maybe one fight and he won maybe one fight. Other than that, it was a stalemate all the way through because we would not back down. And his dad is an ex-Texas ranger. Also a major martial artist. Like, very, very, very much into martial arts. Which is one of the reasons why me and him got along. Because we're both martial arts people. He's a scrappy son of a bitch. He really is. That That guy will, he will fight. He has no qualms with sticking his fist in your face. Does not give a shit. His favorite thing is, I'm going to break your fucking nose. And he means that shit. He aims for your fucking nose every time. He doesn't go for body shots. He goes straight for head shots. We always made a joke when we were younger because, I mean, he was this little lanky fucking kid. You know, he's a lanky little b- bastard. But, man, that kid could pack a fucking punch. Literally, in a fight, he's the only person I've ever met in my life that could knock me out cold in an actual fist fight. And he did. I got clocked the shit out of me and knocked me out. But you know what? I did the same to him. He may be this lanky fucking guy, but he's strong as a goddamn ox. He's got a heart of fucking gold too. But it's when you got to get through the rough edges first, and you don't find people like that anymore. Where once you earn that friendship, you're never letting that friendship go. If I lost him, it would devastate me. If someone killed him, I would go on a fucking rampage finding that motherfucker. And you'd do the same thing for me. That's family. That's someone you should cherish. Someone you know damn well will have your back. Someone who will stand out for you even when you're not around. I mean, yeah, he's got his quirks, like, you know, he's a fucking redneck from hell. He's an egotistical prick sometimes. But you know what? He's the most loyal and the best friend I've ever had. And I'm the same with him. You know, that kid is my brother. Like, if I lost my house, he'd let me move in instantly. Even if he doesn't have the room, he would make room for me. Again, that's the kind of person you should cherish. Don't cherish these little peon friends who uh, brown knows you or use you for cigarettes or wants to take you to a bar because... They want to see you get drunk and get into a fight, or the one who tries to get you into a fight. Those aren't your friends. Those are just distractions. Your one and true friend is the one that will have your back, is the one that will tell you, to be the first one to tell you you fucked up. That's my brother, man. That's the one guy that everybody should have in their back. Everybody should have that one person who will tell you straight the fuck up what's going on. And I pride myself on being bluntly honest. I know they say pride is a sin or whatever the fuck, but you know what? I am prideful. Fuck you and your sins. I'm prideful because of the fact I am proud of who I am because I raised myself. I made myself who I am. I didn't emulate myself off of anybody else. I didn't create a persona to hide from people. I am myself no matter who I'm around. I don't change around anybody. That's the kind of person anybody should be. Be yourself. Don't be that little follower that just blindly follows everybody from week to week, month to month, day to day, whatever. If you don't agree with something, stand up for yourself. If you know someone is fucking you, tell them. They may call you an asshole, but I guarantee you, you get a lot more respect by being honest and by being true to who you are than being a kiss-ass. Now, see, I call my wife calls me a dick with a conscience. And at first, I didn't get what that meant, but I know what it means now. It means I can be a dickhead, but I can also be a really nice guy. I'm only a dick if I have to be. If you come off a, if you come off at me wrong, I'm going to go right back at you wrong. You come at me with respect, I'll come at you with respect. And you know what? Part of that, I can honestly say, came from my grandparents. On both sides. Fuck all three sides. My mom, my dad, and my stepdad, and my stepmom. All f- shit. All four sides. Every one of my great grandparents and my grandparents taught me respect. Now I may be a mouthy son of a bitch. I may I may use very colorful language, but in the end of the day, if you give me respect, I give you respect. That's just how it is. That's how it should be. So when you lose somebody, don't think about the fact that you just lost the person. Think about the fact they're finally at peace. They're finally out of pain. Think about the fact that these guys helped you. In some way, form, or another, these guys helped you. Let me tell you guys a story. Towards the end of the podcast, so what the hell. It's about Jake's dad. His name's Chuck. Well, his name's Charles, but we always call him Chuck. I was 13 years old. I thought I was a Billy Badass because I found me found myself a little Black Market 38 special. And this kid lived down the street from Chuck, about a couple blocks down. Raped one of the girls I knew at school. I mean straight up raped her to the point to where it literally made her insane she's still in the psych ward from it anytime a guy comes anywhere near her she starts screaming bloody murder he literally fucked her up that bad I was gonna kill him I was on my way to his house with a 38 special at 3 o'clock in the morning I was gonna go to his house and blast everybody in that fucking house because everybody knew he fucking did it, but he got away with it on a technicality that was it. he took a plea bargain and got a ten he got a technicality all he got was what three years of probation not even house arrest. I was on my way to end his life three o'clock in the morning Chuck usually goes to bed about ten. I'm on my way there. on my way to this kid's house to go end him and the rest of his fucking family because they're all pieces of shit. Every last one of them have a charge of rape or molestation or something. None of them are worth a life. I'm on my way there. Chuck is on his porch at 3 o'clock in the morning. Like he was waiting for something. He yells my name hey Josh I look over to my right he's there I'm in the I'm in the center of the road on my way with the pistol in my hand he could clearly see the pistol when I heard his voice I instantly froze because I was dead set on murder I did not care about going to prison for however many years I didn't care I was going to end these fuckers lives calls me over to the porch I walk over there. Said, "What are you doing with that pistol?" I was like, "I'm gonna go kill that kid." I didn't say that kid, but I'm not gonna name his name because he doesn't deserve to be glorified. He's a piece of shit. Oh, I still remember his name. Remember everybody on that in that fucking household. <clears throat> he said, "No, you're not." He said, "Give me the gun." I was like, "No, I'm gonna go do this." He said, "Give me the fucking gun." Chuck does not cuss. If you cuss around him, he'd smack the shit out of you. I could see the tears in his eyes. And it broke me. I gave him the gun. And all I could do was start crying. He gave me a hug like pulled me into a hug and this guy's five foot six. He doesn't look that strong, but he's as strong as a bear. I was taller than him at 14, 15 years old. He pulled me into a hug and did not let me go until I started crying. All my anger went out in my crying. He sat me down on the porch. I still don't know what he did with a gun. He went inside, grabbed a beer, grabbed a cigarette for the both of us, sat down, gave me a cigarette and gave me a beer. We didn't say a fucking word for what seemed like ever, man. He was waiting. He was waiting for me to say something. And the only thing that could come to my mind after I stopped crying, after my mind cleared. What are you doing up at three o'clock in the morning? He just started laughing. He's like, I have no idea. He was like, I just randomly woke up and came outside. That's what he said. He said, I just woke up and decided to come out and get a breath of fresh air. And I saw you walking down the street with a pistol in your hand. So who knows? Maybe there actually is a God. Maybe if you're Christian, you believe that God woke him up from a dead sleep. To save me from a really atrocious thing. Something I could never take back. It's also the first night he told me he loved me. I asked him why he stopped me. He said, because I love you. I look at you like you're my own son. He said, yeah, you and my son fight constantly, but I see a lot of Rousey in you. No relation to Rhonda, by the way. Trust me, I picked on him about that when Ronnie came out. It was funny because his dad would always say, yep, she's around and she's going to fuck that bitch up. <laughs> We'd sit there and watch it on the television screen. But yeah, man. I have a lot of respect for Chuck. Because he did that for me. He stopped me from basically ending my own life. And still to this day, this is actually the first time I've talked about it. The first time I talked about it on recording, I have no idea what he did with that pistol and I don't care. And Jake doesn't know about it. His wife, Bobby, his sister, nobody, nobody knows about it. So whoever listens to the recording, this is the first time you're going to hear about this. But yeah, that's where I got so close to them. I got so close to Chuck. I got so close to Jake. His little sister, Bobby, she always had a crush on me. We never did anything. You know, everybody's always like, oh, you're a hoe. You're a hoe. Yeah, I was a hoe, but I had respect. You know, there's just certain things you don't do. You don't fuck your best friend's kid sister. I mean, she grew up to be beautiful, but still never touched her. Not so much as done anything with her at all. That was the respect. And Jake, me and Jake are, even though we don't talk that often, you know, he's busy with his kid and ex-wife and all this shit. It's kind of ironic. His ex-wife's name is Amanda. My wife's name is Amanda. Kind of a cruel twist of faith. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, uh, again, that's the friendship you should have. I don't just look at Chuck like a dad. Like, I'm, besides, you know, Jake. And Bobby and all them. I'm the only one he literally will call his son. I'm the only other one he will actually say he loves him to. Like I said, he grew up in the old ways. Fought in a kumite. I'm not going to explain what the fuck that is. If If you're a martial artist, you know exactly what it is. You know, has the katana to prove it. See, in kumites, I'll explain this part. If you win the kumite, you get a handmade katana. Made in the old ways, folded hundreds of times. And this katana will follow you everywhere. You could try selling it, it will pop up. That's his baby. Well, that and old Sam Colt. He always loves old Sam Colt. His favorite Chuck's favorite TV show was uh was uh what was it on Gunsmoke. Get him, Jake. Get him, Jake. Shit cracked me up. He's seen every goddamn episode a million times. But he still acts like he's never seen it. (laughs) But yeah. That's the friendship you need, man. You need somebody... That will stop you from doing something really fucking stupid. My sister would have went with me to do it. But update on that family... The one who did the initial rape is dead. Good riddance. And his two uncles that were accused of child molestation and multiple counts of rape... ...are also dead. So fuck them. Who cares? I say I don't wish death on somebody. I don't. But if someone dies that deserved it... ...they fucking deserve it. When you get lost... When you do lose somebody that's that close, when you lose somebody that is your ride or die, it's devastating. And you'll know if they really are your ride or die. If they'll, you know, fuck you over for some pussy or for some drugs or for some alcohol or, you know, they're the first ones to talk major shit on you, tell all your secrets. If Jig told all the stuff he knew about me, I would be in prison. And it's vice versa. This guy has a lot of dirt on me. But he will never tell. And I have a lot of dirt on him and I will never tell. Because we're brothers. He wouldn't even need to ask me for an alibi. I would instantly just make one for him. He'd do the same thing for me. He'd say, hey man, I'm in a tight bind. I need your help. I'm there. Drop everything and Go. Sorry, babe, that's my brother. She may have helped me, but this guy saved me. Him and his dad saved me. They got me away from the drugs. They got me away from the alcohol. And not because of some godly bullshit. They did it because they cared. A true friend cares. They'll try to get you to be better. They won't try to supply you with stupid shit. They won't try to get you high all the time. They won't try to get you to drink all the time. That's not a friend. It's just a distraction. Who knows? Maybe you'll actually listen. Or you'll just let it go in one ear and out the other. Either way, I said my piece. You guys have a good night.